Well, good morning, Rock Church. How's everybody doing? You guys good? Are you there with me? So it's good to see you guys. So I want to welcome everybody who is joining with us right now at our Conway location. And I also want to give a big shout out because our Aner location is joining in uh, today. So let's give it up for everybody who's watching from Aner as well. And thankful for you. And uh, if you're new with us, what that simply means is we are what's called a multi-site church, that, that we are not a church in one location. We are a church in multiple locations uh, that we gather every week. Um, right now, um, here in Conway and in Aner and online. And then we meet once a month at our coastal campus with a young adult crowd and at our South Strand campus as we're in the process of launching a, a campus down at the South End. Uh, so next week, we will be gathering at the South Strand for anybody that lives down that direction or if you know somebody, we'll be meeting at St. James High School. So get that word out. So again, if you're new with us, I, I I want you to know that, that you are bigger than something, uh, than, than just what you might see if you're sitting in Aner or if you're sitting here in Conway. Now, I will say this, we say it pretty much every week, that as a church, our goal is to help you find what matters, that that's what we're about as a church, and we know that happens when you get connected. Uh, so if you are new and you're not connected, stop by a new here tent on your campus or if you have been coming for a while, but you haven't got connected yet, then today is a great day to do that. Because today we're going to launch a new series, and the title of the new series is pretty simple. It's Get Off Your Donkey. All right? Pretty simple. Just get off your donkey. And, and people have been asking me, Josh, when you say get off your donkey, what do you mean? I mean exactly what the statement says. And, and with that in mind, I, I had a guy from church talk to me earlier this week. He said, all right, time out, Josh. You told me last Sunday to go home and rest. And now you're telling me I got to get off my donkey. Like, are you schizophrenic or what? You know, I'm like, no, do both. That we should Sabbath well so that we can work well, all right? And uh, so this series, it, it really is this idea of getting off our donkey and going and doing what God has called us to do. Because I do believe there's times in our life that, that many of us, we miss the very thing that God is calling of us, especially in this area of giving him our life and given, given to him of our resources. That, that many times we just, we forget that, that we don't do it. And, and I don't know, I don't know why maybe for you or for me at times that, that we're not willing to give, we're not willing to get up and get off our donkey, but, but I think sometimes it, it could be for these reasons. Some of us, it's just stubbornness. We're just like too stubborn to do something. Like, like maybe, any, anybody here, raise your hand if you have a pet at home. You got a pet? All right. Any of y'all have ever, ever had your dog scratching at the door, like wanting out, and you're like, uh-uh, I ain't getting up. You've already been out. I'm too stubborn to do it. And then it's a battle of wills, like who will get up and, and who will surrender, right? Like there's times that we don't get off our donkey because maybe we're stubborn or maybe it's because we're lazy or maybe it's because we have fear. 
Like, I don't want to get up and I don't want to go do this because there's a fear that I'm wrestling with. And I think fear keeps many of us from doing the very things that, that could bring us great joy. I was actually talking about this with my wife uh, yesterday morning. We were at breakfast, and uh, she was talking about something that she experienced this week at school. Uh, if you don't know, she's an educator, and she was kind of sitting in on a classroom, and it was an early childhood classroom, so it was a bunch of four-year-olds. And when I say a bunch, it was actually four of them, and it was also a, a special needs um, room. So she had four uh, young men in there with, with special needs, and, and they were... Not nonverbal, but but close to being nonverbal type kids, and and so she was in there just serving them and loving on them. And while she was there with an assistant, the gym teacher came in and said, "Hey, we've set up for an event um, over the weekend." I've got an inflatable slide set up. Do you think the kids would enjoy it? And Chris is like, well, yeah, let's try it. So these four little boys, they, they went out to this area where this little inflatable slide was set up. And she said, go ahead and play. And, and three of these boys like climbed this ladder right away and then slid down it. And as they're sliding down it, she's at the end. She's like, good job. You did it. You did it. And these little kids, they're belly laughing right now. Like I said, they're pretty much nonverbal, but they're belly laughing and they're going, did it, did it. You know, like they're, they're trying to say it. And, and so three of them are doing it, but one's not. This one little boy named Jaden is sitting off to the side and just crying like tears down his eyes because he's watching these three other kids play and you could see it, she could see it that, that like, he's like, I want to go do this, but I'm afraid. And fear was keeping him from doing something that would bring him great joy. Well, eventually, as these kids are playing, this little boy, Jaden, gets up and with tears in his eyes, starts climbing this ladder. And he gets up to the top of the slide, and he sits down, and he goes down it with tears in his eyes and a smile on his face. And he hits the bottom. And Chris is down there going, you did it, you did it. And he's like, Jaden did it, Jaden did it. And from then on, for the next 30 minutes, this little guy just kept going. Because he said, I got to have some of this. My, my fear is that our fear will keep us on our donkey and will miss the life that God has in store for you. That we'll miss it. That God's got great things in store for you, but we'll sit back and in fear be afraid to go after and do the very thing God has called us to do. And so instead of doing it, we'll just sit on our donkeys. So, so the challenge is this today, is to get off our donkeys and to live and give in a way that matters. That, that we won't let fear hold us back. We, we won't let stubbornness hold us back. But we'll actually go and do the things that God is calling us to do. And, and I know when I talk about money and giving of your money, that brings fear in. That can bring some stubbornness in where you're like, I don't, I don't know. I worry enough about my money. I, I don't know. Understand that when we don't give the way God calls us to give of our lives and of our finances, we miss the very blessing of God. And I, I want us to change that. But I do know reality is, is some of us, we're sitting still on this one. That, that, that I know this if I just simply look at our stats. 
that, that as a church, let me, let me show you some stats about, about our church when it comes to giving and when it comes to serving. And, and these are stats for our whole church. So in Aner, here in Conway, online, this affects all of us, all right? So as a church, we, we do what's called, um, we give it what's called $24 per capita. That's just a statistical way to talk about giving. It basically means if you take our total attendance and divide it by the offering last week, it's going to come to about $24 per person, all right? Um, What does that mean? Well, the national average is $63 per person. So if you just understand numbers at all, you understand we're a little bit less than the national average. We're not like $2 less. We're a lot less. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, I think some of it's because we're a Vision-led church. Some of it is because that, that we live here in Horry County. We don't live like in a suburb of Phoenix or Dallas or something like that. And, and I think those of us who, who live here and have lived here for very long, we're very thankful that we don't live in a suburb of one of those cities, and we're thankful for Horry County, okay? I know I am. But, but there's some reasons there. But I think one of the reasons is, is just because some of us, let's just admit it, we're sitting on our donkey in this area. Look, look at some other stats, that, that giving units, that, and when I say giving units, that means whether you're single or married, that 25% of our church gives on a regular basis, all right? So whether you're single or married, 25%. Um, serving, 34% of our church is serving. Join the movement. What do I mean by that? Well, that's, that's terminology we use for membership. Like, we don't use the word membership a lot, but we say this oftentimes that, that as if you're a member at The Rock, it basically means that you serve and give. Well, that number is 8% of family units, okay? And again, that could be if you're single, obviously you're one. If you're married, you're counted together there. So 8% of giving or of family units both serve and give. I think if we look at the numbers, I think we could all say there's room for improvement. Am I right? Like there's just room for improvement there. That if you look at your own life, there's probably room for improvement. And and here's what the reason I want this is because if we don't do some of these things, then eventually what you're experiencing will, well, it won't be the experience you're looking for. Let me try to explain that. That you might be coming now, you might have been coming for a month or so and be like, man, I love it here. This is awesome. If you don't ever get involved in serving, if you don't get involved in giving, after a while, it will just turn into, I just go to church. And you'll lose some of that, that, that experience that you're maybe currently having. But for those of you who have started to serve and those of you who started to give, you go, no, this, I'm about this. And, and what happens is the more we do this, the, the impact that it might have. And I can say it for this reason. Because six years ago, we did this very series. We did a series six years ago called Get Off Your Donkey. That's the reason this one's called Get Off Your Donkey too. Six years ago, we were meeting in a high school here in Conway. All right, that, that, that six years ago, we, we did this and we said, we, we want to make a difference. And six years ago, our per capita giving was $14. And now six years later, it's 24. 
In those six years, here's what has also happened as a church, that, that we've been able to move into this facility in Conway and purchase this. We've been able to open up three different coffee bars. We've launched a campus in Aner. We've launched a campus at Coastal. We launched a campus at J. Rubin. We're in the process of launching a campus at the South Strand. And we've supported two missionaries full-time on the mission field, all right? Like, like when we give of our time and of our money, God does amazing things. Amen? Amen. That that's what happens. So, so my challenge in this series is what would it look like if we just got that 8% to maybe go up by two percentage points? Imagine, just two percentage points, imagine what would happen. Imagine if we like went up by 10 percentage points. Right, like, like God could do amazing things. So the challenge is start giving of our life and our finances to what matters in a way that matters. Well, how do we do that? We get off our donkey. We get off our donkey like Abigail did. I, I want to share a, a story about a, a lady named Abigail. And Abigail, she was, um, she was married to a guy named Nabal, and, and it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 25. Now, before I tell you this story, just the backstory is 1 Samuel is a history book that, that talked about the Israelites and talked about their kings. And there was a guy named Samuel um, who was a prophet during that time, and we're going to pick up the story right where he died. When he died, there was a promised king named David who he had anointed, saying he's the next king. And then there was the current king, Saul, who had kind of lost favor with God. Well, I say kind of. He had lost favor with God. And Saul had been moving about the area trying to kill David, all right? And now we're going to pick up the story about some people who kind of came into David's life, Abigail and Nabal. This is how it reads. It says this in 1 Samuel chapter 25. It says, then David moved down to the wilderness of Mon. There was a wealthy man from Mon who owned property near the town of Carmel. The man's name was Nabal, and his wife, Abigail, was a sensible and beautiful woman. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all of his dealings. So, so understand the story that, that you've got Abigail. It says that she is beautiful and she is sensible, meaning she is wise, that, that, that she, is, she is doing what is right. And then there's Nabal. Now, Nabal, he is crude. It says that he is mean in all his dealings. Reality is his name, if you go back in the Hebrew language, you know how like everybody's name means something, right? Like you might know what your name means. Nabal's name means fool. What kind of mean mom and dad do you have to have to name your child fool? Like, like what? You, you think what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like oh, man, I, I'm picturing a special future for this child. Let's name him fool, 
right? Like, like it doesn't make sense, but that's what they named him. And sure enough, he lived up to it. He was crude and mean in all of his dealings. And, and then it goes on to an, an, another level that, that he's living there and it was time for the harvest, time to shear the sheep. And David, who had been out in the fields protecting his shepherds and protecting his sheep, knew the harvest was happening. So he sent 10 young men to Nabal and said, hey, can you share some food with us? And that's where we pick up the story. It says this. So would you be, these are 10 young men going to Nabal saying, so would you be so kind to us since we have come at a time of celebration? Please share any provisions you might have on hand with us and with your friend, David. Who is, who is this fellow, David? And Nabal sneered to the young men. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. That, that in this, what, what is happening is Nabal's like, I, I don't even know who this David guy is. But, but what I know is I heard that he used to be a servant of Saul and he's no longer serving Saul. So why would I give to him when Saul is my king who has maybe helped me be wealthy? We'll dig into that in a little bit, into his thoughts there. It goes on and says this. It says, should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have slaughtered for my shares and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? Like, don't miss the words that he uses here. Nabal's like, I, should I take my bread, my meat, my water? Should I take the things that I own, that I have provided, that I have worked for? There, there's an errancy there. The Nabal is basically saying, it's all mine. And, and I think sometimes we, we think the same about our stuff. When, when this happened, the young men went back to David and they said, David, hey, we're sorry. We went to, went to uh, Nabal, but, but he didn't want to give anything to you. And with that, David like got angry. So angry, he planned on killing Nabal. And he took 400 men and was set off to kill Nabal. And he was heading that way. And because of that, a servant uh, heard about it and, and went to Abigail. Remember, Abigail, who's, who's got her mind, she's wise. Ab uh, the servant went to Abigail and said, Abigail, uh, David, you know, the one who's been protecting us, he came to try to get a little bit of food. And Nabal rejected him. So he's coming here to kill everybody now. And Abigail said, well, let, let's change that. And this is what Abigail did said, Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, 200 fig cakes. She packed them on donkeys and said to her servants, go on ahead, I will follow shortly. So Abigail's like, all right, we're, we're going to take care of the men. So she grabs her food, grabs the grain, grabs the fruit, grabs the nuts, grabs it all, and puts it on a donkey and sends it ahead. And then it goes on and it reads like this. It says, as she was riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming toward her. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey. That Abigail quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. 
What I want us to do is to see Abigail's heart in this situation, to see what Abigail did, and she was willing to get off her donkey and bow before David. Why? What's the difference between Nabal and Abigail? And I would say the difference is this, on who they thought David was and what they thought David had done for them. That, That Nabal was unwilling to recognize who he was or what he has done, but Abigail was willing to recognize who he was and what he had done. And I want us to talk about that more. I'm going to talk about it more here in Conway and online. And I'm going to ask Scott to come up in Aner and talk about it there. Well, let's, let's really dig into this for a second. Because I, I don't know if you see the connection yet. This is where like the rubber really meets the road. That, that who do you think God is? And what has he done for you? Maybe I could ask it this way. Do you see God as the rightful ruler in your life? And have you recognized what God has done? Because in the story, we see the connection of Nabal and Abigail and David, and you can move that to us and God. And here's what I mean, is that that Abigail, when she looked at David, she saw David as the rightful ruler, that that he was the king of the land. Nabal, the exact opposite. Nabal, when he saw David, he saw him as a rogue servant. He saw him as somebody that had went off the rails. He saw him as someone who wasn't in charge. And I think, unfortunately, that, that some of us currently, all of us at one point in our life or, or another, look at God and don't see him as the rightful ruler in our lives. Like, we're all guilty of this. We've all looked at God and said that I'll be in charge of my own life. We've all looked at God and said, I don't know if you should rule my life, especially in this area of money, especially in this area of time, that we think, well, no, I'm in charge, not God. So so the question would be is, who do you say that God is? See, I think for some of us, when it comes to time and money, we look at God and we think of him like Kind of like the tax collector, right? Like, like we've all had to pay our taxes. Anybody that's ever worked, you've had to pay your taxes. And, and I know what happens every, every year come the first of the year, we start looking at our taxes and go, how, how, can I, how can I cut some corners here? In a moral way, I'm not saying we do it in an immoral way, but we go, what advantage can I take care of here? What tax write-off can I get? Can I do all this? Because I want to give to the tax man the least amount I possibly can. And I think we do the same thing with God. That sometimes we look at God and be like, okay, God, what is the bare minimum that I can give you? Because I know you've got to take some of my time and some of my money, but, but where can I cut some corners? Or sometimes we look at God like he's the ticket master. And what I mean by that is like he's the one who's selling you a ticket and you're like, well, what kind of seat do I want with God? 
Like, do I want a front row seat? Well, maybe I'll pay a little bit more. I want a back row seat. I just want to be in the game. You know what I mean? Like, like we'll look at God almost like from an entertainment value standpoint, and we'll be like, well, how well did God entertain me this week? Therefore, I should probably give him this much. Or sometimes we look at God like he's the contract worker. You know what I mean? Like, like maybe something breaks in your house or something breaks on your car. You're like, I got to go to the mechanic or I got to get something fixed in my house. So you call the, you call the, con, the guy who, who's the contract worker and like, will you come to my, my house and will you fix this? And when you're done, what do I owe you? And maybe you're at that point in your life you're like, man, something's broken in my life. So I got to go to God with this. And because I went to him, okay, God, will you do, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. I'm sure nobody's ever said that to God. Right? I know many of us have. Man, God, if you'll just fix this one thing, I promise I'll serve you for the rest of my life. God, if you'll just do this, then I'll I'll give this back. You know what I mean? God's not a tax collector. He's not a ticket master. He's not a contract worker. He is God. Big G, God. Not little G, God. He's a big G God, and he is the rightful ruler of all things. Amen? Like, like he's not the rightful ruler of some things. He is the rightful ruler of all things. I love the way the psalmist says it. It's Psalm chapter 24. It reads like this. It says, the earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundations on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Meaning, God is the one who built it. He's the one who created it. He's the one who sustains it. He's the one who rules it. He is the rightful ruler. And I love how he goes on. He says this. Yours, O Lord. This is in 1 Chronicles. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Man, don't get lost on those words. Guys, if I was in a Pentecostal church right now, I'm telling you, I'd probably be dancing at this part. You know what I'm saying? Michaela, you with me on this? You know what I'm saying? It's like, yours is the greatness and the power and the glory. Oh, you ain't there yet, huh? You'll be there with me, I know. See, I think too many times we forget who God really is. God is great. He is powerful. He is glorious. He is victorious. And he is majestic because he is God. He is God. Amen. He is the rightful ruler. Everything in heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. Let me continue on. It says, we adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, and you rule over everything. Everything we have has come from you, and we give. Notice this. We give you only what you first gave us. That everything we have to give, God, comes from you because you are God and you are the rightful ruler. 
So my time isn't my time. It's your time that I give back. And my money isn't my money. It's your money that I give back because you are the one who has blessed me with it all. See, we got to understand who God is and what he has done. See, see, that's the next part of it is what he has done. Is, is again, go back to the story. If you, if you look at the story that, that Nabal, when he looked at David, he's like, what's he done for me? See, Nabal had it wrong that he had all of his security in Saul. But Saul, remember, was a king that God had already removed. But, but, but Nabal thought Saul is the one who has protected my sheep. Saul is the one who has given me food. Saul is the one that all of my wealth that I have today comes because there's been this king on the throne and he's thinking of him as the guy who's done great things for him. What that really means is he was putting his hope in a false security. And I think sometimes we do the very same thing. We put our hope and our trust in false security, when where we should put it is God, because God is the one who's done great things for us. Abigail, she understood this, because Abigail, she knew, no, it was David. It was David's men who were out in the fields, and when our shepherds were out in the fields with their flocks, it was David's men that protected them from raids. It was David's men who took care of them. It was David's men who didn't harm them, but was actually a guard in the middle of the night. So Abigail understood everything we have, all the food, the wine, the lambs, is because of David. And we need to look in our lives and see the very same thing. That everything we have comes from a blessing of God. The author or the writer, James, he said this. He said, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from us, from God our Father. Like, think about this. Every good thing you have in your life, every good thing that I have in my life is a gift from the Father. That the Father has said, I want to bless you. He has done great things. It goes on and reads this way. It says, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. You see those words there? That he chose to give us birth. Because we are his prized possession. Like if you've ever wondered, do I matter at all? Yes. That you matter so much. That I matter so much. That you matter so much. That we matter so much. That God would call us his prized possession. So much so that he would give us his son. See that where it said it, it came the word... That means that, that Jesus came. And what I want you to see about when Jesus came, and I say this with the utmost respect, Jesus 
got off his donkey. That, that, that Jesus, I understand this, Jesus was sitting on a throne in heaven. And because we matter so much to him, he said, I'm going to give in a way that matters. And he did not consider equality with God something to be held on to, but he got up and he came down. And he came down and was born in a manger. And then he lived his life. And he gave up his entire life of his time, of his resources, of his blood for us. There was a day that they put him on a donkey, on a colt. He came into town and they were like, you are king, you are king, you are king. He's like, yep, but now I got to go to the cross. And he got off of that animal and he went towards the cross. Jesus did that for you and for me. He gave in a way that mattered because he knew what matters. What would it look like if we did the same thing? What would it look like if we followed the example of Jesus? What would it look like if we followed the example of Abigail? And we said that, that we know who God is and what he, was, what he has done. And because of that, I'm going to give of my life and of my resources. Well, how do we do that? only through the right heart. You see, remember Nabal, his heart was wicked. Nabal's heart was crude. Nabal's heart was mean. And he never gave. Now, David relented. He did not kill him. But God took him off the face of the earth later on. He was judged because he never gave to God of his life. He never repented. Abigail on the opposite side, she gave of her heart because her heart, she wanted to give. What would it look like today if we, those of us in this room, those of us watching online, what would it look like if we said, I'm gonna give of my heart, I'm gonna give of my time, I'm going to give up my finances because I found what matters. And for some of you today, here's what it means. For some of you today, you've never given Jesus your life. You've never surrendered your heart. And I want you to know, I want you to know reality and truth. If you don't give Jesus your heart, then you will be judged as Nabal was judged. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. I want you to change that and say, I'm going to surrender my heart. Because when you surrender your heart, then what God does is he washes your heart with the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, so that today, let me say this. That if you've never given of your life to Jesus, today's the day that you can do that. There's going to be some prayer people standing in that corner. I'm going to be in this corner. Catherine, I'm going to ask you to come and stand there with me. If you want to talk to somebody about coming to Jesus, go there. 
If you want to go to the connect corner in the back, you can. Today, if you're like, man, I need to get off my donkey and I need to take a step of baptism, I never have, then I'm going to encourage you to come up by the baptistry. Lois is standing over there. She'd gladly receive you and help you take that step. For some of you, you need to come up and take communion and say, I'm just ready. I'm, I'm just going to surrender to Jesus. I'm going to bow low as Abigail bowed low. For some of us, it's time to take that 8% and increase it and join the movement and say, I'm going to get off my donkey and I'm going to start giving financially to the Lord. And if you don't know how to do that, stop by the Connect Corner. We'll walk you through how to digitally give or we have offering boxes here at the church. For some of you, you're like, man, I need to get off my donkey and start serving. If you're ready to do that, then stop by the Connect Corner. Let's get off our donkeys and give and live in a way that matters.